Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Spill the Beans, a candid conversation on all things life and career. My name is Ty Blair, Executive Director of the awesome nonprofit organization, When You Give a Bean Water, a collective hub of resources for families of color to utilize on their own terms. On today's episode, I'm going to be doing a deep dive into the career of directing. Now, when you think of Black films, you think of Black directors like Spike Lee, you think of Ryan Coogler, think of um, Ava DuVernay. So I really wanted to highlight that career, that profession, and give you um, the pros and cons because there's, of course, two sides to every career. So uh, like I said, with Black Panther, it was directed by Ryan Coogler. And a cool fact is it was the first Marvel Studios film to have a Black director and a predominantly Black cast. The movie grossed over $1.3 billion worldwide and received seven Academy Award nominations, winning three. So that's really, really epic. So let's get started. We're going to dive into it. Um, on the, B, um, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the occupation um, is listed as producers and directors. So I'm going to highlight producers just a little bit, but the main focus for this episode is going to be um, regarding directors. So what do producers and directors do? Producers and directors make business and creative decisions about film, television, stage, and other productions. They interpret a writer's script to entertain, inform, or instruct an audience. Some of their duties um, include selecting scripts or topics for a film, television, video, stage, or radio production, auditioning and selecting cast members and the film or stage crew, approving the design and financial aspects of a production, overseeing the production process, including sound, lighting, and performances, overseeing the post-production process, including editing, music selection, special effects, and a performance's overall tone, ensuring that a project stays on schedule and within budget, promoting finished, pro promoting finished productions or works through advertisements, film festivals, and interviews. Although producers and directors have distinct roles in a production, the work may overlap. For example, directors ultimately answer to producers, but some directors share producing duties for their own films. So producers specifically, they make the business and financial decisions for a film, for, for a film, stage production, or TV show. They raise money for the project and hire the director and crew which may include designers, editors, and other workers. Some producers also assist in the selection of cast members. Producers set the budget and approve any major changes to the project. They make sure that the production is completed on time and they are ultimately responsible for the final product. Various producers often share responsibilities on large productions. For example, on a large movie set, an executive producer is in charge of the entire production while a line producer runs the day-to-day -day operations. 
A TV show may employ several assistant producers to whom the head or executive producer gives certain duties, such as supervising the costume and makeup teams. Now, directors, directors are responsible for the creative decisions of a production. They select cast members, they conduct rehearsals, and direct the work of the cast and crew. During, re during rehearsals, they work with the actors to help them portray their characters accurately. For nonfiction uh, videos, such as document documentaries or live broadcasts, directors choose topics or subjects to film. They research the topic and may interview experts or relevant participants on camera. Directors also work with cinematographers and other crew members to ensure that the final product, product matches the overall vision. Directors work with set designers, location scouts, and art directors to build a project set. They also work with costume designers to ensure that clothing suits the overall look of the production. During a film's post-production phase, they work closely with film editors and music supervisors to make sure that the final product meets the producer's and director's vision. Stage directors, unlike television or film, who document their product with cameras, make sure that the cast and crew give consistently strong live performances. As with assistant producers, several assistant directors may work on large productions. Assistant directors help the director, help the director with small production tasks, such as making set changes or notifying the performers when it is their time to go on stage. Their specific responsibilities vary with the size and type of production that they work on. So it seems like the producer would be more of like the financer, I would say, the behind the scenes financer. They do have their hands in as far as um, selecting the cast and things of that nature. The director seems to be a lot more hands-on, but they do um, tend to follow the vision of the, of the producer. Now, as far as their work environment, uh, so producers and directors are often under pressure to finish their work on time. Work assignments may be short, ranging from one day to a few months. They sometimes must work in unpleasant conditions, such as bad weather. Theater directors and producers may travel with a touring show across the country, while those in film and television may work on location a site away from the studio and where all or part of the film occurs. As far as their work schedule, work days for producers and directors may be long and irregular. Many do not have a standard work week because their schedules may change with each assignment or project. Evenings, weekends, and holidays, um, holiday work is common. Most producers and directors work full-time and some work more than 40 hours per week. So definitely around the clock, whenever it's needed to get, you know, whatever shot done, they have to dedicate that time. Now, how to become one. So this is like the education piece behind it. Producers and directors typically have a bachelor's degree. They also typically need several years of experience working on set and film, TV, stage, or other productions in positions such as actors, cinematographers, 
or film and video editors or in related occupations such as theater managers. Um, now their bachelor's degree is usually in film or cinema studies or related fields such as arts management, business, communications, technology, or theater. In film or cinema studies programs, students learn about film history, editing, screenwriting, cinematography, and the filmmaking process. Stage directors may complete a degree in theater and some go on to earn a Master's of Fine Arts, an MFA degree. Courses may include directing, playwriting, set design, and acting. Producers and directors might start out working in theatrical management offices as business or company managers. In television or film, they may begin as assistants or in other low-profile studio jobs. They may also participate in internships that provide opportunities to work alongside producers and directors. As a producer or director's reputation grows, he or she may work on increasingly large, challenging, and expensive projects that attract publicity. Now, some important qualities that they recommend you should have if you are interested in becoming a producer or director. Number one is communication skills. Producers and directors must convey information and ideas clearly in order to coordinate many people to finish a production on time and within budget. Number two, creativity. Because a script may be interpreted in different ways, Directors must decide on their approach and on how to represent the script's ideas for the production. Number three, decision-making. Producers must find and hire within budget the best director and crew for the production. Directors must make choices that affect the look and feel of the production. And number four, leadership skills. Directors instruct actors and help them portray their character in a believable manner. They also supervise the crew, which is responsible for behind-the-scenes work. As far as the pay goes, so the median annual wage for producers and directors was $85,320 in May 2022. The median average is the wage at which half the workers in an occupation earned more than that amount and half earned less. The lowest 10% earned less than $42,140 and the highest 10% earned more than $179,930. Now, as far as like the niches of um, the producers and directors, in the top industries. For motion picture and video industries, the median annual wage was $101,030. For media streaming distribution services, social networks and other media networks and content providers, that median um, annual wage was 84,700. For the performing arts, spectator sports, and related industries, that was $73,690. And for television and broadcasting stations, it was 58780 Some producers and directors earn a, per a percentage of ticket sales. 
a few of the most successful producers and directors have extraordinarily high earnings, but most do not. So it seems like the film industry is where you're able to make the most money. Um, and then it trickles down to theater and then finally television and um, other broadcasting stations. Now, um, I wanted to kind of go over a few articles that I read where people that were either in the in the journey of becoming directors or pretty much that were directors in the field, just to kind of give their perspective, their experiences. I wanted to share some of that with you because it was very interesting and very, um, it was very thought provoking for me because um, I noticed whenever like, me and my husband look at black film, a lot of it seems to be focused on a very select amount of stories, of storytelling. Um, it seems to focus a lot on slavery and some sort of either crime life or some sort of trauma or struggle. That seems to be like the main topics for our stories. So I was very interested to see why was it that as diverse and um as diverse and multifaceted as we are as Black people, why are not other stories of ours told? So I hope this um, gives you guys some insight. So um, I'll start with an interview with Essence in 2017 where director Ava DuVernay said, only a few Black women have had sustainable careers in the film industry. In 2014, DuVernay received a Best Director nomination at the Golden Globes for Selma, which told the story of Martin Luther, King's Jr., Martin Luther King Jr.'s fight for equal voting rights. She stated, I feel, if I'm honest, that there's a short window for me in this business. There's no Black women who's had a 20 to 30 year consistent career in which She's been free to make what she wants to make and has people wanting to finance that. So that was like the common theme that I was finding amongst a lot of the research that I was doing where finances seem to be the struggle or the reason why a lot of these alternative stories um, were not being you know, pushed and put out there into mainstream media. A woman named uh, Raven Carter, who's um, a film or who was at that time of the article, a film production graduate student at Florida State University. She said that while many people believe there's no originality in writing movies before and that every story has been told, there are untapped territories from directors of color that people should learn about. In reality, she said, Maybe every white story has been told, but every Asian story, a, every Black story, every Hispanic story, every Native American story, those stories have not been told, and that is untapped, um, untapped territory. So I definitely agree with her. Like I said earlier, we have been so focused on specific niches of stories when it comes to uh, people of color, and it would be nice to see something a little bit more broad. You know, even though we're not 
um, considered, I guess, multifaceted in, in the world we actually are. We all have lived and experienced various different lives and we are able to relate to just the regular American life. And so it would be nice to just have just a regular story that just happens to have black people in it. You know, we live our, like I said, we live our lives just like anyone else. So it would be nice just to highlight that story and just to show that we're human as well. I mean, of course, our lives compared with, you know, our white counterparts may not always mimic the same, but we can all relate that we all experience human you know, circumstances and things in life that we can all relate to. We were all students. We've all worked. We've all been in love. We've all felt heartbreak and hardship. So I feel like that's something that we can highlight and have in our stories as well. And then not be something that's considered unrelatable just because it's not someone um, that's not a person of color, you know, playing those roles. Um, someone said, let me see, we should not only be winning Oscars that only highlight oppression. We're more than that. And we are doing more than that, which I agree a hundred percent. You know, like I said, we always see these stories of oppression and slavery, um, and they're always highlighted, but we are more than that for sure. And I would like to see more of that highlighted, um, in cinema. So this is a fact that, um, or random statistic, that in in its 94 years, the Academy has only nominated Black directors six times. John Singleton for Boys in the Hood in 1992, Lee Daniels for Precious in 2010, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave in 2014, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight in 2017, Jordan Peele for Get Out in 2018, and then Spike Lee in 2019 for Do the Right Thing. No, sorry, for Black Klansmen, 2019 for Black Klansmen. And none of them won. So that's something definitely to ponder on. Fewer than 6% of writers, directors, and producers of U.S. films are Black. If a movie has a Black producer, there's a higher chance of it being directed by a, uh, by a Black director. However, only 5% of lead producers are Black. And Hollywood being, uh, being one family, being one big family with a closed circuit makes it hard for outsiders to receive opportunities. But the growth of streaming services, social media platforms, and YouTube has made it easier for Black directors. And I believe that to be the case as well. It kind of gives you a new avenue, a new, um, or just gives you a different place to be able to express yourself instead of having to wait for Hollywood that may not you know, be as open to accepting you and your ideas. The fact that you're able to go on a platform and showcase your, um, your your stories and your creative, however you see fit, you know, I think that's pretty cool. That's what I kind of like about these platforms is that people are able to express themselves how they want to 
and um, and not be scrutinized or silenced just because it doesn't fit a certain criteria. Uh, Raven Carter, the student that I referenced earlier, she said that while being a cinematographer guarantees better job opportunities than being a director, she's a dreamer who wants to write and direct her own projects. And I noticed that as well in my research is that a lot of people that consider themselves Black directors have feel the need that they have to go do other things just to be able to make a living. So like in her case, she, even though she considers herself a Black director and that's what she went to school for and that's what she wanted to do, she has to be um, a cinematographer. And I'll highlight that in a couple other um, people that kind of stated the same thing where they're not, they're directors, but they also have to do other things in order to continue on um, in that career, in that career field. Uh, the movie industry makes many assumptions and puts Black filmmakers in boxes. This is from Raven Carter again. But not all Black people agree with each other or share the same perspectives as they come from all around the world. And this is true. Black directors have so much untapped potential and it doesn't feel right to cluster them together. We can tell all sorts of stories. We don't just have to tell the slave story. We don't just have to tell the moonlight story. We are very diverse people. We're multifaceted. So I agree with her 100%. There's so many untapped stories that have yet to been showcased. And so that's something that I would definitely love to see. Um, hopefully in the near future, I don't want it to just be something that we aspire to, to have for like hundreds of years. No, like that's something that we can definitely do now. God willing. So, all right. So let me look at another article that I read. And this one was pretty cool. This one was from the New York Times. Let's see if I can pull it up. Just bear with me, guys. This one was pretty cool because it was from the New York Times and it highlighted um, a series of young talent um, that was up and coming talent at the time and just their experiences um, being black directors. So this is from 20, um, July 3rd, 2019 is when this article was written. And like I said, the New York Times recently convened a discussion with six directors who were part of a wave of young black talent at that time. So one of them, um, named Julie Dash, she stated um, when she would indicate that she was here as a or she was there as a director to make films about Black women, executives would often say to her, why are you limiting yourself? Now, I sat with that for a minute because that was very jarring to hear that just because she wanted to write films about Black women being as so that she is a Black woman. So that's something that's probably near and dear to her heart. Something that she feels comfortable with speaking on and wants to share um, stories about. The fact that an executive would say that she was limiting herself, that was very disheartening. Um, I feel like telling the Black experience is not limiting yourself at all. It's just a niche that you want to share 
and like she said that she wanted to put something on the screen that hasn't been shown before and to bring forth something new. So I found that very interesting, that statement of why are you limiting yourself as if to say that anything of the Black experience would be considered limiting. So um, Darnell Martin, another um, talent at that time stated um, that he was trying to, um, that he pretty much was able to kind of move up the ranks um, and executives kept asking him, well, aren't you grateful? How come you're not grateful? And he said, do you ask your white filmmakers that? So that was another one that was kind of like jarring to hear that they want you to feel indebted, I guess, and they want you to feel um, just pretty much just kind of like nod your head and bow your head and be like, okay, almost like subservient. The fact that they gave you that opportunity that you were able to create your film and you did you know, fairly well with it. And it's like, so why now, like, why are you not grateful? You've, you've accomplished something big, but it's like, if it's something that's outside of what they deem as okay or acceptable, then it becomes a problem. So yeah, that really bothered me as well to hear that, that statement. Um, Martin, again, he said, and you had to do what they wanted you to do too, because you were their black filmmaker. It was like, this is the film, you've got to do it. It was like, I'm not feeling it, but you had to do it. So yeah, it goes back to, you're that token filmmaker. They're gonna tell you what you can and cannot create and make. And it's one of those things, either you do it or they're gonna find someone else to do it. So it kind of puts you in between like a rock and a hard place, which I can understand. Um, but yeah, they have the ultimate say so in power, the executives. Um, so that's something that I think we need to tap into as well, where it would be nice to have our own and, um, have financiers that are willing to take a risk on our stories because they understand the bigger picture. Um, Someone, um, Maddie Rich, who was another young black talent um, director at that time said, I was told that I was in director's jail. Now, I had never even heard of this term director's jail, but he said director's jail is if your film doesn't make X amount of money, then it's going to be hard for you to get another movie financed. So at the end of the day, it's all about money. If your movie is not making enough, enough money, you're not going to be able to do anything for a while. Um, this was interesting also that Rich, um, that Maddie Rich had said. He said, um, they told me that the only way out of director's jail is that you have to write your way out of it. So he said he wrote a Tupac Shakur project for HBO and he came on board to write Subway Scholar at Showtime for Whitney Houston but he got frustrated because he had a lot of things stuck in development. Um, he wound up living in a space for two years as a creative director and an art director, um, 
that was his his um his new outlet for storytelling without Hollywood. It felt like uh everyone had wanted him to make another urban drama instead of a family-oriented, lighthearted story. So it seems like not only do they put you in director's jail if you don't make a certain amount of money, but now it's like, okay, now you have to prove yourself again. But you can't direct again to prove yourself. Uh, here, I want you to come over here and do X, Y, Z. So in his case, he had to write, be a writer um, for several projects. So it's like you have to prove yourself again only to possibly still be in limbo and not be able to get that director, um, that chance at directorship again, where I'm sure a lot of our white counterparts have been able to fail and not make, you know, as much money back plenty of times with their films. And yet they were always given that, um, that second chance, that third chance. So yeah, I found that very, very interesting. Um, let me see. Who was this one? Witcher. Sorry, I'm trying to get the first name of this person. I don't know if I have it. Um, Theodore Witcher, he wrote, um, or he, he directed Love Jones. He said that, um, I conducted myself like a Hollywood movie director, which is what I was at that point. So this was after he directed Love Jones. But I didn't understand that it wasn't necessarily about the creative achievement of the film or even whether you win any trophies for it. It's about the numbers. So he was mentioning how he was very optimistic. Um, they had done Sundance at that time and he had tried to make the film um, more accessible as much um as much of a mass audience as it was going to be but they never quite cracked the marketing of it and it didn't really perform at the box office that well even though the soundtrack um was a hit um then he said that he made that he made maybe a mistake because instead of retrenching and trying to do something similar he tried to push further he walked into a room um, he didn't feel any sort of infer inferiority whatsoever, but the executives looked at the numbers and they said, who is this guy with this attitude with these numbers? Your movie made 12 million. Why are you even in my office today? So it's like, even though you have a great film, a critically acclaimed film that did very well, um, if those numbers are not at a certain height that these executives deem respectable, then you don't have the ability to um, pretty much sit at the table and demand what what you what you would like to do going further, what you would like to do next. So it's all about money, all about the numbers at this point. Um, so yeah, those were very interesting, um, very very interesting um, perspectives from a lot of our black film directors. Um, I was just going to tell you just a little bit of what each of these guys did. I think Matt, Matty Rich, he made, let me make sure I get it right. He made a movie called, or he directed a movie straight out of Brooklyn. And Darnell Martin, 
directed the movie. I like it like that. I thought he did something else as well, but this is the only thing that's coming up. Julie Dash did Daughters of the Dust. So if you're interested, I mean, if any of these um, movies you're not familiar with, you can definitely look them up and see um, what they did or what, what they directed. Um, and then one final article I wanted to touch base on um, just to kind of reel in the end of the conversation. Um, This was an article from March 29th of 2023 from the Butler Collegian. It says, what is up with the lack of black representation in film? That's the name of the article. And I just wanted to kind of read off a couple of things that I found um, interesting in this article. So it's, it said, film has historically been dominated by white wealthy men. Many tend to gatekeep the art of film with their pretension an insane film vocabulary to make it seem inaccessible to people uneducated in film. Since these actors and directors tend to be wealthy, they are able to attend the top universities for film, which allows them to have access to endless connections and networks. If you do not attend elite film schools, it is difficult to get your ideas and talent out to major production companies and agencies. This blatant classism and racism go undiscussed and are even protected by white filmmakers in Hollywood, making it nearly impossible for black filmmakers to break out in Hollywood due to the color of their skin. So, I mean, and I'm sure this is like, this is the case for every type of like social career where it's all about who you know, it's about the connections and the networks. Um, like it was stated here, if you didn't attend an elite film school, you weren't able to network and I guess rub elbows, build relationships with people that had the money and the status to be able to um, gain advice or possibly gain some sort of um, support like monetary or financial support in order to keep, um, keep yourself and keep your career afloat. So that kind of gives us um, a disadvantage for a lot of um black film directors that we don't aren't able to attend those um, type of schools and therefore we're not able to get that um, financial support so I think that's when I was um, talking about the importance of having financiers um, even with like Tyler Perry me and my husband were talking about it that he builds this amazing studio in Atlanta and my thought process is once you made it there, why aren't you now bringing in young and up and coming talent, specifically talent of color, and allowing them to create projects and um, tell their stories? Since that was like the main issue was the gatekeeping and not being able to have um, that financial backing. Um, even where uh, Tyler Perry came from, you know, with the whole Medea, um, him having to pretty much put a certain, pretty much put out a certain type of narrative of the Black experience. That's just one very small, minute um, story. And 
being able to grow beyond that. You know, he started out in plays and then, you know, moved into movies. And now something as major as him being able to direct different TV shows, films, and having his own movie studio is incredible. And you would think he would want to reach down and pull up others and allow other people that had a had um had those same visions and um want to put a new narrative and a new story for the black experience out there you would think that he'd be willing to bring them in and i hope um that does happen it does not to say that that won't happen but i would like to see something like that because that's that's the pinnacle the movie studio allows us to be able to finally tell our stories and um, sh just show the world a different perspective of who it is to be Black and how it is to be Black and how it's not just pigeon pigeonholed in slavery and crime and trauma. So that's what I would like to see. But it starts with that, with someone that's a financier that's able to support and give um, these young Black creatives pretty much that alley-oop in order to um, create beautiful things. <laughs> Sorry if I'm going on a tangent, but I'm very passionate um, about this. And I know it's a very touchy subject, but it's definitely something that needs to be um, talked about. Uh, so also in this article, um, the person, let me let me say who the person is, Brianna, Brianna Wilson, who's an opinion cop, opinion columnist she stated um film has a, no I already read that one she stated that I think people consider white stories to be more relatable which is kind of ridiculous because people of color have to relate themselves to white stories and we should be able to relate to people different from us oh no she didn't say that someone named Schaffer said that my my apologies let me see who Schaffer is um, who is Schaffer? Schaffer. Sorry, guys. I was trying to figure out because I always want to make sure I quote the right people and give you context of who these people are. Okay. Claire Schaffer is a first year political science major. So, so she feels as if Hollywood has struggled to create opportunities for people of color based on the racism embedded in our society. All right, so she also said, um, but white stories are seen as more relatable than black stories. And I also think that white stories are seen as more complex or more inherently intellectual than black stories, especially in a black film. A lot of African-American vernacular English is used or stuff like that that's inherently seen as less intellectual, less complex than white film. And finally, I'm going to end this podcast on this note. Um, it says, right now, it can feel like the whole world is against you as a Black creative, but that isn't always the case. 
many strong Black directors, such as Barry Jenkins, who used a comparatively small $1.5 million budget to create Moonlight, have shown that it can be about the stories you tell, not the amount of money, education, or resources you have. With the mass creation of Black content, it is important that we support Black creatives outside of the mainstream. So I end with that just to say, you know, even though it is a very difficult um, field to be in, especially just the Black creative in general, um, I can imagine Black directors is extremely hard, but if this is your passion and this is what you love to do and you want to put these stories out here, just find whatever method you're able to at the time, depending on where you are in life, to make it happen. Um, I feel like mainstream and hitting it big shouldn't just be the goal. I feel like telling our stories and putting amazing creative work out there into the universe is what's most important, especially if it feels, if it feeds and it fuels your soul. Um, the money eventually will come. If you continue at it and um, your heart stays in it, the money will come. But I never want anyone to feel discouraged, especially Black creatives, to feel discouraged because it's not easy. And anything in life is not going to be easy. But just find your niche and your way to put your content out there. There's so many different different platforms to get started. There's YouTube, there's just the internet in general, um, creating your own website or blog to be able to put out there your content. There's TikTok, Instagram. I mean, it, it goes on and on, um, but just don't give up. If this is something that you seriously want to do and you're passionate about, don't sell your, yourself short. I mean, we as a people, we're so resilient. You know, we can do multiple things. We can have a regular career and do this as well. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you have to pay your bills. And if this doesn't do it, like the people said earlier, you have to figure out a different revenue, whether that's writing, whether that's cinematography, um, Whatever way you're able to still um, make money, but continue to do what you love, I think is the most important. So, yeah. So that concludes today's episodes of Spill the Beans. I want to thank you all for still continuing to tap in and be supportive. Um, again, you can find me on all social media platforms at Give a Bean Water. And until next time, you guys, thank you very much.